Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, including your story. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And today we're talking to Eric Motley. We've heard from Eric before about his life. Eric, you talk about how one of the most pivotal stories happened while you were at Samford University involving your pledging at a fraternity. It was a moment that displayed both the best and the worst in people. Tell us about that. I was too naive to really know what a fraternity was. I arrived, Sanford was predominantly a white university, and as much as the majority of the students there were 
people not of color, maybe there was four or five percent of of a colored population, people of color, and that's minorities, Hispanic and African Americans. And uh, but I I was in a wonderful Christian community, and people embraced me, and they seemed to be interested in me in as much as I was interested in them. And uh, for sure, maybe I was a bit eccentric and um, I was so intense on getting an education that everyone in the university knew that I was the first in the library in the morning and the last to leave the library. And, and that became a bit of a joke, but a wonderful joke, an endearing joke. And then there were a group of upperclassmen who became friends and they encouraged me to go through Rush because they thought it was a wonderful opportunity for me to meet more people and to be a part of a club that they were a part of, to experience something they felt fulfilling. And so I I went through this experience with this fraternity, and I felt really good about the people that I had met and their encouragement. But unbeknownst to me, underneath all of this, there were parents who were greatly disturbed by the concept of this fraternity being integrated let alone at Sanford, but in the state of Alabama, because it had yet to be integrated in Alabama. And so those parents, uh, and parents have wonderful influence, as well as oftentimes uh, not so great influence on us, uh, greatly express their concerns to their kids and, and encourage them to oppose me. And to make a very long story short, but interesting, On the very night that a vote was to be taken, uh, I was going to be blackballed. And there were a group of students who had organized themselves and their arguments around all the reasons that I should not be a member of this fraternity. And they were not really sound reasons. And one student found a group of them singing a song using not so great lyrics or words that are not great, or words that we're told not to use now about people of color. And that student and a group of other students did what they believed was right. There were a group of about six or seven students who had gone to the final four up in Atlanta, Georgia. And someone wrote them, called them, and said, It doesn't look like it's going to be promising for Eric. And I know that you wanted to be here for the vote and that you were going to get here at the end of the meeting, but it might require your getting here as soon as possible. And they left the final four. Could you believe that? These college seniors leaving the final four basketball competitions and driving some five to six hours back to Birmingham in order to be at a fraternity meeting at the start of it so they could address their fellow fraternity members, and they challenged them. And they said, you know, the reasons that you're given are not the reasons why. And we are aware that a good number of your parents have reached out to others to encourage them to vote against Eric. But there is no way that we can graduate after four years of being here and after the experience of getting to know this guy and not believing in doing what is right and really stepping up. And to me, it's a wonderful reminder that from time to time, we're all called to challenge the moral complacency of a leisure and secular society, that we're all called to do what's right. 
in that same letter that we referenced about Martin Luther King, there's a line that disturbs me. He said, it's, it's not the people who are overtly doing wrong. It is the deafening silence of the good people that disturb me most. And in that one moment, these seven, eight young men decided that they would take off their fraternity pins and lay them on a table and to say that we feel so strongly about doing what is right that we're willing to give up our membership in this group. And in that one quiet, unheralded act, they influenced all of the members of that fraternity, save one, to vote for my membership. Now, what is beautiful and profound about that story is not just that unheralded act of heroism, but the fact that I did not learn until I had moved here to Washington, D.C. So that's from 1996 to 2001. I did not learn the narrative that took place. And it took place because one friend of mine who had had too much to drink one night phoned me and ended up telling me more than he ever planned on telling me about what actually transpired. And what I learned was that a, those same group of students organized themselves and paid my fraternity dues for those two years. They never wanted me to know the story. They never wanted me to know the names of the students who opposed me. They only wanted me to experience the community that they believed could be realized when good people do what is right and encourage other people who are good to overcome their prejudices. And that is Eric Motley and one heck of a story about so much. Madison Park is the name of the book. It's filled with stories like this, a remarkable place, a remarkable upbringing, a remarkable community. Madison Park, A Place of Hope. Go to Amazon.com and get it. Eric Motley's story, his fraternity story, not like the rest of the pledges, but my goodness, what lessons learned about life and about courage here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. we return to our American stories and up next the story of a truly unique general in American history Dan Sickles here to tell the story is Gettysburg National Military Ranger Matt Atkinson take it away so what we're going to talk about tonight is Dan Sickles and old Dan Sickles if you don't know anything about Dan Sickles you're in for a heck of a ride he just he just def- <laughs> he just defies description it's truly you know, it's out of a straight out of a movie or something. So, Uncle Dan is born on October 19th, 1819 in New York City. 
He attended New York University and studied law under none other than the future Union General Benjamin F. Butler. His early years were marked already with graft. He was accused of stealing money from another man. He embezzled money meant for a political pamphlet, and he was accused of mortgage fraud. The connections made, though, through Butler opened a new world to Dan Sickles. And that new world was politics. He quickly moved up the graft plague Tammany Hall political machine, which he literally had to fight in at different points with knife and gun and so forth. And he became the corporation counsel to the city at age 28, despite all those things in his background. He later rode that political machine to be a New York State Senator from 1856 to 1857, and he served in Congress from 1857 to 1861. Needless to say, what little I've told you so far ought to give you an indication of what type person he is. Dan Sickles is impulsive. He is amoral. <laughs> He does not wait on the whims of society whether he should be doing something or not. And he definitely does not pay attention to laws. As a lawyer once famously told me, Matt, you cannot change the law, but you can certainly change the facts. <laughs> and Dan Sickles is going to be very good at that right there. Sickles lived a fast life. He went through the equivalent of several fortunes, and I mean fortunes by today's standards, millions of dollars in the 1800s. He blew through all that. And of course, on the other side of it, a lot of that money, he also had a passionate side for the ladies. Her name was Teresa Baglia. He had met her while she was a little girl, and he was studying law at the home of her parents. When now she had grown up, they were married by the mayor of New York, but what did Sickles do? He was married, and I think he truly loved this lady. I believe he did, but Sickles, it was just a formality to him. He's going to be on the move. He would become the American, and this is really on the move, he would become the American legation secretary to James Buchanan at the court of St. James in January of 1853. That's the year after he got married. But this is what Dan Sickles plays well, okay? This is what Dan Sickles plays well. On July 4th of 1854, Sickles' touchy sense of patriotism boiled over when native Bostonian George Peabody gave a dinner to celebrate Anglo-American relations. Sickles did not like celebrating the 4th of July with, with foreigners. And when he arrived at the party, he found 150 guests, mostly Englishmen. There were two life-size portraits there, one of Queen Victoria and the King. And at the end of the room, with only a small portrait on the opposite end of George Washington. And to top it all off, the toast to Washington would be given by an Englishman. The program for the evening had the Star Spangled Banner and Hell Columbia lyrics with all negative references to England removed. And after the speech with Dan Sickles sitting there 
it came time for the toast. That's the way they used to do it. 150 people rose. And then when they said they would place their right foot upon their chair, and then somebody would say, to the queen, and everybody would echo that and drink a toast. Out of 150 people, 149 stood up, <laughs> except for Daniel E. Sickles. Sickles is going to basically get kicked out of England for that, because it's going to cause a royal mess, because he's insulted the queen. But did he do that because he really felt that strongly about the night's activities, the program, or was it a political calculation? Because when he made it back to New York, what did America think of him? Anybody that tweaked the nose of John Bull was a hero. Sickles is not finished. Sickles loved society. He loved public life. And he loved both official and unofficial business. He had made the acquaintance of a gentleman named Philip Barton Key. Philip Barton Key, who's on the left right there, was the district attorney of, of the District of Columbia and the son of Francis Scott Key. Now, with Sickles' blessing, Key started, now Sickles knows about this, Key started to escort Teresa to various social functions. And Key was described as one of the most handsomest men in Washington. And of course, with Sickles not being around, an absentee husband, it didn't take long for romance to blossom between these two, Sickles' wife and Mr. Key's. Now, Key was known as a poor lawyer, and Sickles interceded on his behalf and saved his job as a congressman. A rumor came to Sickles about the affair, and he confronted Key with it only to have it denied to his face. And you know what Sickles did? He believed him. By this time... With Sickles being gone so much, the affair had gotten so serious that Key had obtained a rental house a few blocks from the Sickles home in Lafayette Square, right across the street from the White House. Neighbors began to see an elegant couple enter and leave the dwelling. The two also had signals. One example is Key would walk in front of the, of the Sickles residence swinging a handkerchief as a signal for a rendezvous. He would sometimes sit across the square with a pair of opera glasses and stare at the house's window looking for a sign from Teresa. On February 24th, 1859, everything came crashing down. Sickles received an anonymous note saying that an affair was going on. Two days later, he extracted a written confession out of Teresa with all the tawdry details. Only a southerner can pronounce the word tawdry. <laughs> Unaware of what had happened, the next day, February 27th, three days after he received the note, Key approached the Sickles home waving a handkerchief. And Sickles was upstairs and saw Key down below. Quote, that villain has just passed my house. My God, this is horrible. And Sickles sent a friend outside to delay Key while he went inside and concealed a revolver and two Derringers in his coat and went after Philip Barton. Approaching Key, he exclaimed, Key, you scoundrel, you have dishonored my house. You must die. 
And with that, Key reached inside his coat pocket. Sickles fires the pistol and the shot grazes Key. Key then rushed forward and grabbed Dan and the two wrestled and Sickles dropped the gun before breaking free from the wrestling match. Sickles then produced another gun from his pocket and Key reaching inside his coat retrieved some opera glasses and flung them at Sickles exclaiming, murder, murder, don't shoot. Sickles pulled the trigger and the shot hit Key right below the groin. He fell to the pavement. And you've been listening to the story of Dan Sickles being told by Matt Atkinson, who's a ranger at the Gettysburg National Park. And when we come back, we're going to find out what happens at Dan Sickles' trial here on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. we return to Our American Stories and the story of the colorful Civil War general, Dan Sickles. When we last left off, Sickles had shot and killed his wife's quarter, Philip Barton Key, yes, the son of Francis Scott Key, and he was about to be placed on trial. Here again is Gettysburg National Military Ranger, Matt Atkinson. Let's return to the story. Sickles will be placed in the D.C. jail. He will never stay in a cell. He will actually stay in the jailer's quarters. It will be arguably, I mean, at least for, the, for this region of the country, the most sensational trial of the century. During the midst of this, of this trial by jury, none other than President Buchanan is going to come in and shake Sickles' hand in front of the jury. What does that tell the jury? It means he supports him. Sickles will have the dream team defense lawyers. And for the first time, they will argue to the jury that Sickles suffered from temporary insanity. And for the first time in American jurisprudence history, Sickles will successfully use the defense of temporary insanity. In other words, Sickles walks (laughs) right out of there, got away with murder. Of course, society did what? They condoned what Sickles had done. That's justifiable homicide. Key should not have been doing that. They condemned Sickles when he took his wife back. That's when Sickles gets booted from Congress. Probably Dan, as I said earlier, probably did really love her. And what did he have to say about fidelity? (laughs) Sickles' political career is basically over, although he still has Tammany Hall behind him. But Sickles, once again, right place, right time. The war breaks out. Dan Sickles comes from which party? Democrat. What party does Abraham Lincoln come from? Republican. Every president of every war of any era is going to want bipartisan support. Because of that, Sickles is going to be one of the first Democrats to come out in favor of a Republican war. And you know what else Dan does? He backs up his patriotism with his own money. And he raises not a regiment of troops, but a whole brigade. And Lincoln embraces both things, the support for the war and him being a Democrat. And more importantly, Dan Sickles, when he gets his Brigadier General Commission, he becomes a general very early in the war, and that's going to go into his rise September 3rd, 1861, after he raises what will become known as the New York Excelsior Brigade. Now, he was promoted, to fast forward a little bit here, he was promoted to Major General to rank from November 29th, 1862. Sickles was assigned to Corps Command that winter, 62. 63. What you need to know as far as us going into Gettysburg, 
Probably one of the more famous stories from the Battle of Gettysburg is actually the wounding of Dan Sickles. Dan Sickles is going to be back uh, at the Trostle farm and he's going to be sitting astride his horse. It's got to be a one in a million shot. And you know when you're sitting in the saddle that when you lean down you're sitting in the saddle, uh, you know, your knees go out. One in a million shots, Sickles is going to feel something warm. He's going to take his hand, he's going to reach down to his leg, and he is going to pull back something warm. What is that warm? Blood. A Confederate solid shot has come in and smashed, or a piece of shrapnel has come in and smashed his leg. You know the horse was unscathed. This is what Sickles wrote. I never knew I was hit. I was riding the lines and was tremendously interested in the terrific fighting. I bet he was. Suddenly I was conscious of dampness along the lower part of my right leg and I ran my hand down the leg of my high top boots and pulling it out I was surprised to see it dripping with blood. Soon I noticed the leg would not perform its usual functions. <laughs> Interesting. I lifted it carefully over my horse's neck and slid to the ground. They found that the knee had been smashed, probably by a piece of shell, and that the leg had been broken above and also below the knee. But while all this damage had been done, I had not been unhorsed. End of quote. At first, Age wrapped a handkerchief around Sickles' leg. Then a saddle strap was brought and used as a tourniquet. And Sickles is carried off on a stretcher. And at some point, as all American generals do, when the word went around that he was dead, Sickles had himself propped up on his shoulders and that lit cigar stuck into his mouth. And that's the way he left the battlefield, smoking a cigar. Later that evening, his leg is amputated on a farm located near the present day shopping outlets on Baltimore Pike. Sickles will have the leg preserved in a cask of alcohol and brought with him. Being a politician and knowing the power and symbolism of a lost limb, he donated the leg to the Army Medical Museum. And yes, you, my fellow American taxpayers, still own it. It is true that Sickles did visit the leg. On probably his first visit to the Army Medical Museum, the curator was leading Sickles on a tour when the general uttered, Oh, yes, yes, but let us come to my leg. <laughs> when the curator led Sickles to the exhibit, the general retorted, Where's my foot? What have you done with my foot? They should have been shown too. When the curator tried to explain that the foot was not really necessary for the exhibit, Sickles, quote, became very angry and anathematized the museum very freely. In October of 63, Sickles is feeling much better. And he met with his boss, Meade, at Fairfax Station, Virginia, to ask for his old command back. Meade refused. Now, after the war, Gettysburg continued to be a passionate thing in Sickles' life. He made an impassioned plea that the sacred battlefield be preserved and he vowed in true Sickles fashion to do something about it. In 1893, he won re-election to Congress at the age of 74 for one term. Two years. While there, he pushed through with irresistible energy 
a bill to preserve the land that made him famous or infamous, as the case may be. Today, Sickles Avenue is actually the longest avenue within the military park. I don't know if that was intentional, but I'm sure Sickles would have agreed with it. On May 3rd, 1914, Sickles is going to pass away in New York City. He was 94 years old. One thing was certain. The Gettysburg event was the defining moment in Dan Sickles' life. And alas, Dan Sickles, the general out of seven Union Corps commanders, one of only two that does not have a monument here, reportedly, and this is up for debate, reportedly when Dan Sickles was asked why he didn't have a statue on the battlefield, he retorted, that is because the whole damn battlefield is my monument. And great job, as always, to Monty for finding this story. And a special thanks to Gettysburg National Park Service for allowing us to use this audio. And what a storyteller Matt Atkinson is. And by the way, that's a story you will not hear in your history class. He was a scoundrel. But in the end, look what he did. He raised the money for a brigade. Scoundrels and knaves, patriots and heroes... Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, and in this case, a scoundrel does in some very strange way become a hero. The story of Dan Sickles, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. And we continue with our American stories. Keycap artist known by her followers as Tiny Makes Things creates and forms artisan keycaps for mechanical keyboards. Tiny is a content creator alongside making her art. She uses polymer clay to sculpt her custom designs, which has brought to her over 3 million followers on TikTok. Here's Tiny with her story and how she made this unique hobby her full-time career. My dream job back when I was little and when people asked me, I just said I wanted to be an architect. And that was because I really liked art. And I also knew that I had a pretty big affinity for math and kind of engineering, like science in that aspect. And that was, as a kid, that was like what I thought was the kind of combination of art and math, I guess. And I think earlier on, I do remember wanting to be an artist, but my, I don't think they were trying to like stifle my, I guess, artistic spirit, but my parents were probably not super supportive of me saying that I wanted to be an artist because I think even back then, like being an artist means that you were kind of like poor and like it's very hard to like make money as an artist, I feel like. Then I was like, maybe it's more practical to think about what I can do that can actually, you know, provide me a salary. And um, eventually I was like, I want to be an engineer. When I was applying for college, I, I knew that I just wanted to do engineering, but I think I wasn't quite sure what kind of engineering and what I defaulted to was mechanical engineering, actually. You know, you build things, you make things, you fix things, kind of like that mindset of what mechanical engineering was. And so I applied as a mechanical engineer major to all of the colleges that I applied to. And I think the college that I actually ended up going to, I actually didn't get in as a mechanical engineer. I got in as a computer engineer, which was my backup uh, major that I chose. I was trying to get into the mechanical engineering department and basically you just you take all the classes as a mechanical engineer would and then one of the classes I actually took as like one of the first classes was intro to C programming as like for mechanical engineers and I really enjoyed that class I did like really well and so I actually just kind of pivoted to computer engineering and then I started taking classes and I realized I didn't really like the electrical engineering portion of that and then completely switched over to computer science. So I had everything lined up, like I had a job, and I don't think the job itself was really bad in any way. I just think when I started working, it was typical eight hours a day, kind of like 40-hour work week. And then you go home, and then you kind of 
veg out or you like watch TV or you play video games. At least that's what I did when I went home. I don't know what other people do. And I just felt very unproductive about my life and just what I was doing because I was like, I'm just starting to work and, you know, I'm young and this is what it's like for the rest of my life. I was working so hard and I didn't even get really anything out of it. Like I was working for a company and I mean, at the end of the day, everything that you make for that company is still that company's, right? Like even if you have charge of a certain feature or product. And so I think maybe, I, I don't even know, like a year or so or half a year even into the job, I was just feeling I, I wasn't going anywhere, even though I was, I mean, yeah, the job was great, but I guess outside of that, I didn't really feel like anything was really happening. And that's when I just started to start making keycaps just as a creative outlet. And I, that's when I started streaming on, on Twitch. Streaming, a lot of it started out from just like people playing games. I think Twitch was a platform that actually was a very generic platform first and then it narrowed it, narrowed down to mostly like game content, esports, like uh, people streaming themselves playing a game. Uh, that's like kind of like where Twitch came from, but now Twitch is kind of a lot of different kinds of streaming. So for me, when I started streaming, I was just streaming like my art. It's like when I'm crafting and sculpting things, you can watch me as I do it live. And I think part of that was interesting because I would make maybe a couple keycaps in one stream, but you could see it go from like nothing to the final product, um, like in the span of you know a couple of hours. And some people would just leave on the stream while they're doing other things. It's kind of like you can have company without actually having company, or if you like having background noise, and having something on while you do stuff like you can have it's pretty low effort i think my streams are pretty like chill like a lot of people just leave it on in the background while they do other things so and uh, when i started streaming it wasn't for the sake of like showing off anything or it was just for the sake of like okay i'm setting a streaming schedule so i have to be you know live and you know at these hours on these days so they'll force me to like make stuff for that amount of time and sure if like people are stopping by or watching me then makes it a little bit more like I kind of have to do it. It kept me consistent, which was really good. And I started doing that more and more. And I think I was like working full time and, you know, streaming 20, 30 hours a week at some point. At some point it was very tiring. I was just so burnt out. I think at that point I was doing mostly commission work or like one-off keycaps, which I didn't really even charge that much for. And it was not worth the, the time that I took for me to make a commission, which is generally maybe like a couple hours. I think I was charging like 25 or like $30 per keycap and that was, I don't even think I was making like minimum wage at that, at that rate. And I was like, I can't even do this, you know, for a job even if I wanted to because it just doesn't make enough money. Um, but the other, I was thinking about, okay, maybe if I resin casted some of my keycaps, then maybe I could make it more worth it because you can make molds and do stuff in greater capacity with, with resin. So I was like, I could probably make this work, but I really, it's really hard to leave a like nice corporate job that provides a lot for you, um, like your health benefits and like a lot of amenities, um, especially in the Bay Area. If you know all the tech companies, like what they provide for you, it's just it's really hard to leave. I ended up going part time for a little bit. I felt like I was kind of just half in in both things. Like I couldn't be at my full potential for each either of the jobs because I was just half there. I think at this point, this was like the crossroad because I realized at that point I could not go on like doing what I was doing. It was just, I was like miserable. And I just kept thinking about like all the things that I wanted to do or, you know, like my business. 
I think the hardest, hardest part about that was telling my parents. Like I told them and they thought I was doing drugs or involved in a gang or something. They really literally asked me like, are you like, are, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? Are you, are you taking drugs? Like they, I, I think they just thought I was like out of my mind because in what world would putting a nice job and then pursuing this random like keycap art. I don't even think they understood what kind of art I did. That was very all like confusing to the, to them. And they tried very hard to convince me not to quit. And I think at that point I was already set, kind of gave myself a one year timeline. If I don't, you know, if this all goes south and I don't make enough money, I can still go back to tech. That was maybe just about like three years ago when I quit my job. And I guess from the timeline here, you can see that after one year I did, was able to kind of make it work and kept going after that one year. I do commissions, which are Actually, I think people uh, will, <laughs> when they hear about commissions, generally, I think people are like flabbergasted at the price. My price point is like at the bare minimum for me to do a commission is $300 and it can go up from there based on, you know, the design and how much work goes into the keycap. And honestly, I, like if you look at art in general, like that's not that much for a commission. And I actually lose money when I do commissions for most of the time because the same amount of time that I can spend making that commission, I can probably make a batch of keycaps. But I do them because I like, it just makes me happy to make other people happy in, in like, oh, I want, you know, some my dog on a keycap or I really like this character and like it means a lot to me. And sometimes people have some really sentimental stories. So most times people just like using the key, uh, they like using artisan keycaps as maybe like an escape key because then it kind of is like, kind of helps complete the look. I threw away a very good job and I don't know if I could ever get that job back. I thought I might regret that, but I'm definitely not grateful for a pandemic, but that definitely accelerated a lot of the, I think I started doing TikTok before it started and a lot of people got onto TikTok because of the pandemic because they were bored at home and there's a lot more creators out there now. I think it's maybe a little bit harder to be noticed because then you're, you know, there's so many people making keycaps. I think I, I work a lot, but I, I enjoy it to a degree where it doesn't always feel like work to me. There are definitely parts of it that do feel like work when I have to do certain sponsorships or I have to like negotiate contracts or talk business and, and stuff like that. Like that, that stuff does it's not, doesn't make me happy. Like not every part of the job is fulfilling or is, you know, brings me happiness, but I would say for the large part of it, the general feel that I get from just doing this job is, is pretty, makes me really happy to do. A lot of people find it hard to kind of pursue the things that they really like doing and being able to make a career out of it. Because I think there are some things that are just, that are just hobbies and they're hard to make into an actual living wage. And I think I'm really lucky and blessed to be able to do that. I mean, a lot of people are afraid to try and as like advice, I would just tell people to to try, but don't be like dumb about it, you know, like have backups and have, you know, I, I didn't just quit my job because I was like, I had nothing. I thought about it a lot and I kind of considered my options and then I kind of gave myself timelines and like goals, you know, it, it's really good to have like plans in place. So, you know, quit your job, but also don't do it really hastily or don't do it without any sort of plan in place. And a special thanks to Tiny and it's tinymakesthings.com where you can go and learn more about what she does, about her art. The story of a keycap artist here on Our American Stories.
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.